Economists just can't seem to give a clear answer to the simple question, do we need to have more or less children? On one side of the debate, people are concerned about overpopulation and the utilisation of resources beyond the capacity of Earth to provide. If we have less children, there won't be as many people, and less people means less waste, less resource extraction, less energy usage and less emissions. Even if we maintained our current usage of the world's resources, then less people would mean everybody gets a larger share of the same pie, which could massively increase living standards for the smaller population. If the world was only home to a billion people, then things like housing crises wouldn't be a problem, but if the world had 10 billion people, like it's projected to in 2050, then all these problems will only get worse, or we'll have to be willing to accept lower standards of living to share the world's wealth around more broadly. It's a scary thought before even considering the other problems that could compound the issue of looking after that many people. More people create more waste, which reduces the supply of clean water sources and productive land. But more people also need more water and land, so it can become a vicious feedback loop. Others are concerned that we are not having enough children. The issue of ageing populations has been something that we've explored extensively on this channel because we need to mention it in almost every advanced economy we talk about as a major threat to their future economic prosperity. If there are not enough young people to produce the goods and services that everybody in an economy consumes, then living standards will start to decline for everyone as a large population of elderly people consume without contributing. In extreme examples like South Korea, their birth rate is so low that in a few decades there might not be enough people just to look after the elderly, let alone do anything else an advanced economy needs to operate. So do we need to have more children or less children? What are the challenges either option will present? And finally, is there any way to get around this seemingly unsolvable paradox? These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. There is nothing on earth that can mess with your business more than hiring the wrong people, and finding the right people and getting your job in front of them can be complicated and expensive. That's why whenever I hire, I go through LinkedIn Jobs and use their very useful filtering tools to save a lot of time doing this often frustrating process. LinkedIn is the biggest professional network on the planet, so not only are you getting some pretty advanced tools, you also see much more useful information about the person that you're looking to hire than a typical resume would present. And when you're hiring, you can add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile so people will know that you're looking and you can get more high quality word of mouth connections. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com ee. That's linkedin.com ee to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Children are an economic burden for a long time after they are born. For at least the first 12 years of their life, they'll be consuming more than they contribute, making them a net drain on their family and or society. Did I mention that we would be looking at this from the perspective of a heartless macroeconomist? Well, anyway... In most advanced economies, the age at which children become net contributors has been getting later and later as economies have developed. Child labour laws means that it's illegal to put children to work until they're at least 15 years old in most advanced countries, and minimum schooling means that they are unlikely to be contributing full-time until they're at least 18. The push for even higher educational attainment means that a lot of people don't start becoming productive taxpayers until their mid-twenties. In our videos on countries like France and South Korea, we found that people starting work later and later was having just as much of an impact on the workforce as their people getting older. What this means is that if it wasn't obvious enough already, having children is a major commitment, and not just on parents, but potentially the entire economy as well. 
Economists and policymakers are going to have to be really careful about encouraging birth rates in countries with ageing populations because it could potentially make the problem worse. If economies have too many children at the same time they have too many elderly people to support, it will put additional pressure on the people in the middle that are working to support both of these groups. That support will either be direct in the form of literally paying for a child or elderly parents' needs because they can't support themselves, or indirect in the form of higher taxes to fund schools and old age welfare systems. On a macroeconomic level, this can be self-correcting because if people are under too much pressure to produce for a growing number of dependents, either directly or indirectly, they will be less likely to have children, even if they really want to. But that might be a good thing. The most popular video on this channel was about a 1972 study conducted by MIT that predicted that society would collapse in 2040, and a follow-up study done by KPMG that found that we were ahead of schedule. Ultimately, we live on a planet with finite resources, and no matter how clever economists become, limitless growth in a finite world is never going to be attainable, so some sacrifices have to be made. Our only choice may be the order in which we make those sacrifices. Yes, less people, especially less people of a working age, will mean less output, but more people will eventually put such a strain on resources and create so much waste that the world won't be able to provide the same living standards as we enjoy today. The order in which this happens is important. What is a more frightening projection of the future? Less people leading to lower food production, or lower food production leading to less people? The problem of an ageing population is also by its very nature gonna take care of itself eventually. The largest generation in history are already starting to die off, and people from younger generations are living longer and staying fit and healthy for more of their life as well. This means that they'll be less dependent on support systems, but can also remain working and contributing to society, even at ages when most people were expected to be dead half a century ago. So letting populations decline is sounding pretty good, and that's before even factoring in our inheritance. This video is going to make economists sound terrible. But when we say inheritance, we don't mean what we're going to get from our parents when they cark it, it's more big picture than that. One of the problems of a small population is that there will be less people to make the stuff that people make stuff with, what economists call capital. This can be everything from shipping ports to big industrial machines, all the way down to software and even technical know-how. If our populations do decline, then the people that are left will still have this capital. Now, of course, a lot of it will need to be maintained or even replaced, but that's easier than building things from scratch. Even things as simple as some metals like aluminium are easier to recycle than they are to extract, so having that available and needing to share it amongst a smaller group of people means that capital like this will go further. One of the biggest pieces of inherited capital will simply be technology. We use all kinds of technology these days to maximise our productivity. A modern container ship with a crew of a dozen people can move hundreds of times more cargo than ships of a century ago that had crews of hundreds, all while using less fuel and delivering stuff faster. If Thanos snapped his fingers tomorrow and our population was halved, we wouldn't forget how to make pieces of capital like this. Nor would we forget the benefits of using shipping containers or the problems of making gasoline and houses out of lead and asbestos for that matter. In an extreme hypothetical where the world's birth rate drops to one child per woman, then the global economy would probably see a slump in overall prosperity as existing generations get too old to work. But then, long term, the average output per person, or GDP per capita, would likely be higher because they would just have more stuff to make stuff with. A higher percentage of the smaller global population could continue to live lives like we enjoy today in advanced economies, while not putting any additional pressure on global resources, or we could avoid the kinds of collapses outlined in the 1972 MIT study altogether. 
This is also not counting on developments like artificial intelligence, which could substitute human labour and grow output without being the same drain on resources that a human being is, what with their need for housing and food and water and whatever else. Managed depopulation might be starting to sound like a small price we have to pay now for a more prosperous future tomorrow, but there are a lot of economists that disagree and think that the only way that we can secure our future is by growing out of our problems. It's true that infinite growth in a finite world is impossible, but that's only true because of the technicality that infinite anything is basically impossible. Never mind with our current understanding of economics, but even with our current understanding of physics, eventually we will run out of particles to ascribe value to. On a more tangible level, yes, our resource use is growing rapidly as the world is supporting a larger and wealthier population that is travelling more, consuming more, and getting used to comforts like air conditioning and larger homes. But our economic output is growing much faster than our resource usage. Between 1985 and 2010, the use of global resources like minerals, ores, fossil fuels and biomass has roughly doubled from just over 40 billion tonnes per year to slightly less than 80 billion tonnes per year. In the same time period, global GDP increased five times over, from $12.5 trillion to $66.5 trillion. Unfortunately, only these 35 years overlapped in any reliable sources we could find for these two sets of information. The IMF only started recording global GDP figures from 1985, and the resource usage figures from the European Environmental Agency stopped in 2010. Going off other figures that did align with these two sources but were not from official organisations, global GDP has grown from roughly $4 trillion in the year 1900 to $105 trillion today a 26-fold increase in the last 123 years. Global resource usage is up from 10 billion tonnes in 1900 to 100 billion tonnes today, a 10-fold increase. So we're producing roughly twice as much output with the same resources as we were 123 years ago. In the same time period, the global population rose from 1.6 billion to just over 8 billion today. The way that an economy can produce higher levels of output with less resources is by using technology and technical know-how to add more value to those resources. We use the example all the time, but a tonne of iron ore can be worth a little bit of money if it's turned into steel beams, more money if it's turned into a car, and a lot of money if it's turned into fine Swiss watches. All of these outputs have used the same amount of resources, but have all contributed very different amounts to total economic output. Modern technology allows us to do even better than that as well. We use basically no non-renewable resources to produce this video that hundreds of thousands or hopefully even millions of people will watch and learn something from. That has economic value, but it would only be possible with modern pieces of capital, computers and the internet. Now, we would still have this capital even if our population started to decline, but we might miss out on making further advancements. More people in the world means that there are more opportunities for technological breakthroughs that could change our world forever. If someone like Tesla, Da Vinci, Bosch, Babbage, Curie, Einstein or Turing is a one in a billion occurrence, then having eight billion people in the world makes it more likely that humanity will benefit from breakthroughs dreamt up by people like this. We would simply not be able to feed the people alive today if it wasn't for the Haber-Bosch process that made it possible to mass produce fertilisers. Now, even with 10 times the population, the world has much greater food security than it did 200 years ago before we had this technology. Technology has a compounding effect on population, which in turn has a compounding effect on technology. If industrial fertilisers were never made, then someone like Alan Turing may never have been born to create the modern digital computer. Technology also has a compounding effect on technology. 
If we didn't have computers, we wouldn't have the internet. And if we didn't have the internet, we wouldn't have all of the tools that we use every day to run our global economy. The substitution of human labour with capital that we explored earlier in the depopulation argument is still possible with a growing population. It just means that we can do more with more instead of the same with less. It also means we're more likely to invent these technologies to make it all possible in the first place. Having more people with more access to more capital, all other things being equal, will lead to greater developments in technology that will accommodate more output with less resource use in the long term. Of course, in the long term, humanity could develop the technology to become multiplanetary and harvest the resources of the entire solar system in an economically viable way. Commentators supporting the argument for population growth will argue that developments like that are more likely to happen if we have more people working on the problem. Some of these commentators, like Elon Musk, are obviously very directly invested in making that kind of future a reality. If economic success is defined by having the highest possible output figure, then population growth is the best strategy. But if economic success is defined with GDP per capita or quality of life metrics, then it gets a bit harder to project. Endless growth is the riskier strategy. We aren't guaranteed to develop technologies that can push economic growth faster than population growth. And if we can't, then quality of life will quickly start heading in the wrong direction. It's also difficult to account for variables like climate change that go beyond just linear resource utilisation. If parts of the world become uninhabitable due to heat or fresh water supplies are compromised, then even with advances in technology, we could be in serious trouble. Slow and steady population decline is safer. We can predict the economic challenges of ageing populations better than we can a world with 15 or 20 billion people. And it also takes the pressure off global systems essential for maintaining life. Economics is a social science, which means even when dealing with enormous macroeconomic issues like the future of civilization, individual human nature still needs to be considered. As humans, we have a drive towards wanting to grow and further our species. Most of us might not think about it as much as others, but I'm sure that we all kind of assume that one day we'll be a spacefaring civilization, the same way that our ancestors dreamt of settling every corner of the globe. Resigning ourselves to a future where we effectively accept a slow decline doesn't feel very human. However, it is the course we're currently on. Most governments tend to agree, and around the world there are policies being put in place to encourage people to have children. The reason they've been put in place is because, whether we like it or not, we're headed towards the depopulation option right now. A lot of projections now calculate that Earth will never reach 10 billion people because birth rates have declined as countries have become more industrialised. Nobody can predict the future, least of all economists. But long-term optimism has always been a good bet on humanity, no matter how many of us there end up being. Thanks for watching, mate. Bye.